Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Cricket with an Accent. This is Saqib Ali hosting the show and today on the show we'll be talking Bangladesh cricket. I've been trying to do this episode for a while. Siddharth Manga, who has been on the podcast first, called my guest a PhD on Bangladesh cricket. So with that note, let me welcome uh, Mohammed Isam, who's a very well-known uh, voice in world cricket and he's the official uh, correspondent for Bangladesh cricket for cricket, uh, ESPN Cricket Info. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Sakib Bhai, uh, for inviting me to the show. No, pleasure is all mine. I'm sure uh, there are a lot of questions you will answer for novices like me because we all know what's happened in Bangladesh cricket, but sometimes I wonder what is the bigger picture behind. So before we get to all those questions, what is your love affair with cricket like? How far does it go back? Who were your heroes? Just tell us you know, how you arrived here today as you are the voice of Bangladesh cricket in the digital world. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you for calling me that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of uh, have a lot to learn as well. But yeah, I uh, I'm from I come from a very sporting family uh, from both sides. Like my father, uh, he's into cricket, and my mom loves cricket. And when I was growing up, I saw some of my cousins play uh, play uh, you know domestic cricket. Uh, uh, from my mother's side as well, uh, we have a lot of cricketers. So family get-togethers and and all those gatherings or in dinner tables were mostly about cricket and how everyone loved uh, following India, Pakistan, Australia, West Indies when we were very young, when I was very young, because Bangladesh didn't really have a, a team in the 80s or even till the mid-90s. So they had a team in associate cricket, but it wasn't, you know, like what uh, giving everyone's time, but slowly it started to develop. And then suddenly it became ICC champions in the ICC Trophy champions in 1997. That's when it exploded. Uh, cricket exploded in Bangladesh. So my uh, love for cricket was a little um, from the time I was about seven or eight when I used to see my cousins play and my uncles play. And then I started to play cricket as well uh, with the cricket ball. And uh, yeah, uh, I've played um, about nine years in the domestic uh, league structure in, in different clubs. And this is a professional structure. And I quit playing cricket in 2010. Uh, I was already a journalist uh, uh, before that. I, I started to work in a newspaper in Dhaka called the Daily Star. Uh, it's an English newspaper. It's a top English newspaper. I've been working there. I was working there from 2006 until about 2012. That's when I joined Crickinfo. And uh, that's when I uh, started to work for Crickinfo for about the last nine years, uh, mashallah. Uh, again, a basic question, you know, uh, has cricket replaced uh, football or soccer as, you know, we call it in the Western world, uh, in the in the eyes of the Bangladeshi public? Where does cricket, what kind of space does cricket occupy? Is it the sport or is it sharing honours with football? No, it is the uh, number one sport. It is the number one obsession. We don't really have a, a great entertainment sector in Bangladesh. So uh, the film, the film, uh, uh, the sector or you can say that the TV drama sector isn't that big. Uh, so cricket is a form of entertainment. Cricket is a is a great pastime. I, I sometimes think that cricket is a bit like um, like baseball is for America if baseball was the only sport. So it's very, very uh, closely followed by the public. Kids want to be cricketer across the country from every corner of the country. It's It's massive. It's the biggest talking point uh, for the last 24, 25 years. 
No, that kind of was my guess, but the, my, that was a guess from far. So thank you for confirming that. So you are, again, uh, you know, one of the few, if not the lone uh, cricket voice in digital English space for that's covering Bangladesh cricket. So what is your relation with fans and what is the relation with players? How do you feel you juggle the act because you know in India we have more than few journalists that we look up to. But I think if I have to look for anything for Bangladesh cricket, I Google you know your articles. I can say okay, what's your last few you know months have been? I'll, you know, I even I did some research for this uh, this podcast. But what is your relation in the space? Because you you probably get re- reached out by many fans because you are like to me you are like this sole voice, and that could be I could be wrong. I could be very ignorant of the fact who else is writing on Bangladesh cricket. So how do you enjoy, how do you operate in that space? Yeah, uh, it's it's actually a very thriving uh, media sector in Bangladesh, cricket or sports media. Um, it's uh, largely in Bengali, um, our our uh, mother tongue. Um, it's, uh, it's a beautiful language. So the writing is sometimes very nice. We have uh, someone called Utpal Shubro. He's been the, the doyen of Bangladesh's sports writing. Uh, he's traveled a lot. So, and he's also written for Wisden and Crick Info. Uh, he's well before my time, but he's also still working. Uh, he's a very, very good journalist. We have a number of other journalists as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was very young when I uh, when I got into sports writing or, or journalism. I was only 21, 22. So it took me a bit of a time to understand uh, the the mood or the emotions because I was a cricketer and I didn't feel too emotionally connected to cricket uh, to the Bangladesh team at the time because uh, it was just a game for me. And slowly I started to realize uh, that, um, you know, uh, a, a bit of emotion isn't too bad when I'm writing. But that was for the newspaper. Uh, Crick Info is a little different. And I think I've grown uh, through reading a lot. I read a lot of Rahul Bhattacharya's work. I, I Sometimes I go back in time just to read his work because my cricket writing actually is inspired by his book, Pandits from Pakistan. And obviously, uh, some of my own colleagues were some of my heroes. They still are. Osman Samyuddin, Siddharth Mong. I'm, I'm so proud that I work with them. And I'm so proud that, uh, you know, they call me their colleague and they, they think of uh, th- they think so highly of me. You know, that that's amazing. Sometimes uh, one of my biggest inspirations was... Uh, uh, Sharda Ugra. She used to work for ESPN Cricket for, for a long time and she was a constant source of advice, of, of suggestions and always great uh, great to talk to her about uh, sports and sports writing. And then obviously you have a lot of Indian journalists that I look up to. Um, Anand Vasu uh, is one of them. Uh, Sandeep Drivedi from uh, Indian Express. I mean the whole Indian Express team is really fun to hang out with as well because I've done a few India tours as well. So usually I end up you know, hanging out with them and, uh, you know, uh, if, I'm sorry, I'm just going back to what Bangladeshi journalism or, you know, all this is like. It's, it's a bit like, um, you know, it's, it's an obsession for them as well because they have to feed a large audience uh, on a daily basis. And nowadays it's getting, getting more, uh, you know, getting bigger because of, uh, you know, social media and everything. So, yeah, uh, the coverage here is unbelievable. If you go to a Bangladesh match, a pre-match press conference in the World Cup, you'll see that the Bangladeshi journalists are outnumbering Indians by at least two or three, uh, you know, journalists. Oh, wow, I, I didn't know that. And that, that's why I said, you know, sometimes you don't know uh, because we all live in our own echo chamber. And right. I didn't know yeah. what kind of attendance, you know, Bangladeshi media had at, a, at these kind of venues. So going back to the writers, you, we all we all really, really value those writers, the Mongas of the world, the Sharda Ugras, 
and Osman and these are like and and you believe me you belong in that crop because a lot of people do read your work and you are held in the same esteem so you said you joined cricket info like what 9 10 years ago how has your writing style evolved over the years how does uh mohammed isam of today look back at when you started writing how, how has your writing shifted do you write differently do you rely more on analytics do you cater to the audience because you know writing is always i would think the writing always done keeping in who you're writing for in mind at least for some degree so how have how has your writing ability shaped over the last decade i consider myself a journalist first i think i think my job is to be the background guy and i try to so as a as a background person i always try to stay out of uh, the limelight as much as possible and and i do that with obviously i really um spend a lot of time analyzing and researching my topics i know i'm um i'm well known in bangladesh as a cricket writer but i never stop you know finding out the newest things i'm i think one of the things about my character which some people might call a bit uh, stupid but i i get surprised easily you know i i don't really i don't really have a bit of a fatigue coming into my writing that's i think a good thing because uh, it happens when you have constantly written about one topic but I, i try to find something new every time i you know I, i see a player or something happening it's difficult but uh, that's one of those things um so when i started at crickinfo i had to learn crickinfo's language or crickinfo style of writing and i think i think i'm still evolving but um it's i'm very different now i think i was a i was a newspaper reporter uh, who would you know dig deep into a lot of local stuff and now it's uh, i've always position myself as someone who's writing to an international audience but with a local mind because i want to make sure that the 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 most important things or good things about bangladesh cricket of course i always highlight the negative stuff as well so that you know those are addressed um i have that bit of an activism uh, sort of thing going as well at times i think i think my bosses have to sometimes rein me in because i i want to do something good for bangladesh cricket because i i wanted to play for bangladesh <laughs> that was one of my strangest um, things that i said in school so bangladesh used to be a very uh, a typical associate nation back in the early 90s uh, we had no prospects at that time and then one day a teacher asked me what i wanted to be i said i want to play test cricket for bangladesh <laughs> and everyone laughed saying that we are not even a test playing nation but i just you know dreamt of playing for bangladesh for so long that now i sometimes think of myself as uh, someone in a position in a good position in a strong position to maybe you know maybe enact some changes in bangladesh cricket there's a lot of problems in bangladesh cricket so i sometimes hope that if i write something say if i write about player salary being too low and if it you know increases a little because of that i i think it's it's good i think it helps helps the players and because of how i played cricket in sort of uh, lower leagues i understand where some of these players come from uh, their backgrounds and you know their history and the 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 hardships they go through so i i think i'm a bit sympathetic towards uh, the players i mean i'm not too sympathetic towards administrators I, i'm a players man i think <laughs> although i do i do write very objectively about players but i have a soft corner for um, for players generally because i know what they go through in bangladesh and uh, and and i know how administrators can be so it, it's uh, basically that i think i think that's how i am and i, I don't think i have have changed too much i don't think i have changed i think i think i know that with how people behave with me and how people um 
you know, I, I enjoy that respect. I don't think I, I enjoy being popular, but I think I enjoy having that respect that I, I write objectively. So that kind of paves the real conversation, you know, where I wanted to take a deeper dive and you already have given me a lot of ideas where I can take this. So, yeah. so one is uh, working for an ESPN Crick Info, which is an independent voice compared to like, it's not run by any board or any nation. So does that give you more leverage to write cricket activism, as you said, more objectively, since you're not part of, say, the Bangladesh system, like maybe writing for a newspaper daily, that's, that could have some tied interest with the uh, BCB, Bangladesh Cricket Board. Uh, and secondly, the larger part of this question is, is Bangladesh cricket a big political portfolio? Because BCCI in India is like a huge portfolio. You know, businessmen and politicians have been running BCCI for a long time. So it's not like just cricket. It has a lot of money, but it also has a lot of visibility. So. Yeah, answer in which way you feel is comfortable, first question or second question. Sorry, can you repeat the first question again? The first question is, does it give you more leverage because you're working for an independent voice right. like ESPN yes. Cricket 4? You're not part of the Bangladesh system where you're working for a leading newspaper. I'm, yeah. I'm just making things up, but that could have like, you know, some connection with the BCB or, you know, yeah, they yeah. say, okay, don't be too critical of the cricket administration. Yeah. So that gives you more leverage. And secondly, yeah. is Bangladesh cricket a big political entity like BCCI right. in yeah. Bangladesh? Um, yeah, so with the first part. I worked for Daily Star, which is which was again very independent of uh, of the government or or the cricket board. Um, so there was never really that that pressure that you can't criticize. In fact, it was even open, more open. I could criticize the cricket board more openly uh, in the Daily Star when I worked there. And, and the bosses over there, the editors were very, you know, liberal in that sense. Quick Info also allows me to do that. But because it's such a big, uh, such a big platform, I have to be very careful with what I write. I, I was careful with the Daily Star, but there, there was that local angle there. I think you understand what I mean. So uh, in Bangladesh, there is that tie up, that there is that problem. There is that, we'll, we'll come to that. I think we'll have that conversation soon that... Um, uh, there is a ma- massive conflict of interest in Bangladesh cricket. Is that's one of the biggest problems in Bangladesh cricket. So there is a, a link up between media houses and the cricket board, of course. There's no denying that. But Cricket Info obviously allows me to be as independent as possible. Daily Star did the same. Um, I I had uh, ranting board presidents call me up uh, in the middle of the night, middle of the day, shouting at me, screaming at me, threatening me. Uh, not just board presidents, but club officials, uh, coaches, players. You know, that was a wild time. Uh, when I joined Trick Info, uh, obviously, there have been some incidents, but I, I, I feel that Trick um, uh, Info allows me to be a little more careful with writing big pieces, but I've done. I've done critical ones about conflict of interest. I've done on match fixing in Bangladesh. So I've touched on everything. I've never... Yeah, the Muhammad actually... Ashtaful, right? Yeah, article in 2014. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, really good. Yeah. Actually, actually, I'll I'll point you to another one. Maybe you can Google it sometime. It's it was about a character called Atanu Datta. He was um, I fo- I followed him for three years. Uh, he was a bookie. He was a charged bookie. Like he was he was he, was, he confessed as a bookie. He was arrested in 2014. That's when I finally wrote the piece. But I had been following him for uh, three years, knowing that at one point I was going to write about. But it's a different story. I'll, I'll I think we'll need a separate podcast. <laughs> that but um yeah so uh, that's the one part and the question you asked me about the bcb is that yes of course it is it is a very very important part of uh, the bangladesh government it is very very uh, um 
what can I say? I think I think it's integral to Bangladesh's image. So obviously it's a political tool. Cricket is a massive political tool. I think you know that Mashrafi Murtaza, the former captain, he became an MP when he was captain. When he was Bangladesh's ODI captain. There is a very good connection between the politicians in Bangladesh and cricketers and cricket administrators. The I don't know. There has never been a former cricketer who has ever been a BCB president. It has always been either a politician or a bureaucrat. I'm mm-hmm. talking from the 70s till now. Yep. It's very much like BCCI. It's 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 integral to how uh, the country is. Uh, you know, you know, the, the people call it nation building. I think cricket cricket did contribute a lot to nation building in the past 20, 25 years. Yeah, same in India. I think I'm sure you've, uh, you've yeah. studied Indian, the rise of Indian cricket and you were friends with yeah. and colleagues with so many of the journalists. Same. Similarly, cricket became a very, very powerful portfolio. And we always talk cricket along with Bollywood was the two sources of entertainment in India. And uh, so my, my next question is along the similar grounds. You said it's about politicians and bureaucrats and powerful men running Bangladesh cricket. So as a well-wisher of Bangladesh cricket and someone who's you know very close to the action and covering them, so do you... Do you see any point like uh, more cricketers getting involved in administration? You think is that a roadmap that you wish? And are there any cricketers like Mashraf Murtaza or someone else who may be getting involved in how Bangladesh cricket is run? Um, at the moment, there are some former cricket captains who are in the cricket board, uh, either as board directors or as selectors. So technical positions go to these uh, former players and captains. Um, as a board director, there are three board directors currently, and they do have central roles in terms of cricket, uh, mainly cricket operations or cricket development. They are they have, and they're they're okay. They're they're not bad in terms of their results or what they have done. But there's always that uh, you know the daily grind of knowing them and you know with us being a journalist. So um, yeah, generally speaking, uh, it's it's good and. Um, I think I think people like Mashrafi, Murtaza, Sakib Al Hasan, Tamim Iqbal, they do have such characters that they'll they're probably going to be in cricket board in some capacity, board president, board directors at some point. Um, people like Mushfiqur Rahim and Mahmudul Riyad seem to be those who are who might become coaches later uh, later on in their life after they give up or after they retire. So yeah, I mean that that has to happen because otherwise you know you can't let um, Honestly, I mean, unless unless it's a, pers- a person who has a great track record as an organizer, you can't really want them to uh, run cricket because, you know, unless, you have to play a little bit of cricket to be, you know, in a, in a cricket board, especially in places like Bangladesh. So what is your biggest uh, concern? You say you talk about activism. What would you like the current board to do better? Is it like, uh, I don't know, Pakistan board for the longest time, there were a lot of egos involved. And, you know, we see there were a lot of captains that, captaincy changes and team shifts that happen in Pakistan. India is like the powerful businesses because the money is coming, the revenues is, you know, is right there. And that also has helped cricket grow. But uh, when Saurav Ganguly took over, a lot of people in India thought, okay, now we have like a former captain, uh, not too ancient figure running cricket. At least there was a lot of hope. So keeping those examples in mind, uh, what do you wish for the current, you know, group of Bangladeshi administrators to do? You think it's just uh, they just don't understand the game better, or is it more about uh, the fiscal policy? They focus more on the on the money part. So where is it falling short in terms of your view? It's a loaded question. I think you need to give me a bit of time to talk about it. It's 
it's a it's a work in progress. Bangladesh cricket board is a work in progress, even though it's been around for uh, 49 years, I think. Uh, we are a nation of 50 years. We became a nation 50 years ago at, at this month. Um, it hasn't really progressed that much. When it turned professional in the mid-90s, and now it's called a professional body, but honestly, uh, from what I've dealt with in the last 15, 16 years, it has a lot of work to do. And if you go, if you want me to pinpoint a few things, it's, as I said, first of all, um, Bangladesh cricket structure, I want to explain uh, to you, Sakib Bhai, um, it's a very strange sort of structure. Basically, we have, it's a, it's a cricket board where there are, um, it's, it's a board of directors, 25, I think, um, of them, a majority comes from Dhaka, the capital, because Dhaka's club cricket is the heartbeat of Bangladesh cricket, the club cricket structure. It starts from Dhaka Premier League. It's like the EPL, Premier League, first division, second division, third division. So there are about 128 clubs who play professional cricket, who pay a lot of money to the players. Um, I've been part of this system for about nine years. In the mid, uh, in the early part of this century, so 2001 to 2010, I played professional cricket. Um, so this this group, they decide, they they have about 12 directors. 12 out of the 25 are from this group, and from the rest of the country, the 64 districts of the country or the eight divisions of the country, this they have 10 directors representing them. So there you have a very strange divide where the capital has 12 board directors. And the rest of the country can have 10 directors, 22. And the other three are from other categories. And one of them is the president. So this is where the problem starts in Bangladesh. Next you have, well, this is because um, when Bangladesh uh, started as a nation, they only had the Dhaka League. So the cricket wasn't too widespread as it is now. So that's why representation is so lopsided, you know, so one-sided. Now they have never changed that. When they became a, a professional cricket board, this is how they kept the structure. And um, the problem is that when you have one group of people running so many things, so so the big clubs uh, in Dhaka, they have all the big players. They'll have all the big organizers. So they get into the cricket board. And usually you have players from those big clubs playing for Bangladesh. That has always been the case. And even now, the more powerful the cricket uh, board director, maybe he has a little more power on selection. So it's very complicated. So there's a lot of blurred lines that have been crossed. And, you know, there are no, basically there are no limits to what someone in the cricket board can do, which is quite uh, quite a disaster for, for a country like Bangladesh, where, you know, power becomes a problem after a little while. So that's where the problem starts, conflict of interest. You have board directors from powerful clubs running the cricket board, making sure that everything is run according to their wish. It used to be okay in the in the 70s when cricket was nothing, but now cricket is everything and you have so much conflict of interest uh, that uh, that's where the problem starts. Number two, um, it's a country where there is a lot of cricketing talent, um, but, the, but that cricketing talent, um, okay, it's filtering through, but after the under-19 level, the domestic cricket structure because of the pitches, because of the quality of bowlers, it's not as good as a bridge between age group under-19 cricket and the national team. So that's where cricketers start to lose their skills maybe, lose their mental capacity sometimes. And that's where Bangladesh cricket loses out a lot. So domestic cricket isn't really as strong. First-class cricket isn't good. 
um there are enough matches i think but i think there are too many players i think there are too many uh, um mediocre cricketers in bangladesh's domestic structure which stops from developing there's not enough uh, evolution or innovation happening in bangladesh cricket it's they're very slow to change t20 they have been so poor from the beginning of t20 although it's a country where t20 is very popular um we as amateur cricketers nowadays I, i'm a i'm 37 years old um i i play a bit of amateur cricket we mostly play t20 cricket these days and there's a lot of good talent in t20 cricket in bangladesh but the cricket board is very slow to change they don't really have a regular tournament a t20 tournament they rely on a lot of one day cricket in fact bangladesh you can you can call bangladesh one day cricket country because we're not good at test cricket we're not good at t20 cricket as we have proved recently but we're very good at one day cricket uh, especially at home uh, which is another weird sort of thing because it's a segmented part so we don't do too well abroad in any format but we're pretty good in at home especially uh, when it comes to one day cricket so i think uh, there's a lot of things that have that has to especially um, the structure of bangladesh cricket has to change um, secondly i think a bit of mentality change is required i'll just give you an example Uh, leg spin bowling. Leg spin bowling. We've only had uh, one leg spinner in our test history. Bangladesh has only had one leg spinner. His name was Jubair Hussain. Um, domestic cricket is mostly one-day cricket. That league that I was telling you about, Dhaka League, which is four tiers of only one-day cricket, and it is so important that whatever trend you have in the Bangladesh team is is basically what happens in these leagues. So because leg spin is considered an expensive type of bowling in domestic cricket here. and we have a lot of left arm spinners in fact you're speaking to one left arm spinner a specialist left arm spinner <laughs> so um the thing is left arm spin is very economical in one day cricket and the pitches are always low even good batting wickets are slightly low so left arm spin accurate on the stump left arm spin is very important in bangladesh and we have a lot of success stories we have a, we have had a our first uh, bowler to take 100 test wicket was a left arm spinner mohammad rafi we've had the first one to take 200 wickets in one day cricket was Abdul Razak left arm spinner and of course we have Shakib Al Hasan who's closing in on a lot of wickets and global superstar so left arm spin has worked and leg spin hasn't really worked and even if there are young leg spinners you know their ambitions die when they get into league cricket so this is the sort of thing where bangladesh cricket is far far behind even you know in even behind countries like afghanistan at times because of how poorly they manage talent and how slow they are to change So there's a lot of lot of opportunity in what you answer. I can go in multiple ways. I also listened to your podcast with Jared Kimber, where you talked about the left arm spin versus the the world, you know, world cricket, you know, emphasizing on the wrist spin. And uh, here we are. And so let's let's do a basic question there. What you and Kimber discuss and what you just said. So fine, you know, you have a lot of left arm spinners playing for Bangladesh in a pool of twenty international cricketers or whatnot. But what happened to if say there's a national academy? Why aren't they promoting other modes of bowlers so the team can become, you know, a team for the future and and start filling in some of the holes that the team has? So why are the same replica of players keep getting produced? So who's responsible for not nurturing talent and say wrist spin or fast bowlers or like big hitters, whatever Bangladesh needs to to modernize? themselves with you know the modern demands of the game the t20 and all the other formats so who's responsible and why the pipeline is not producing more versatile cricketers the pipeline is actually quite dry i'll be honest with you uh, the pipeline is good at the under 19 level 
But the moment they set foot in domestic cricket, uh, we have a high performance unit in Bangladesh. Uh, the BCB runs a high high performance unit, which is for under 23 cricketers or cricketers who have just uh, gone past the under 19 stage. The problem starts at the under 19 stage. We play a lot of overage cricketers. You you know that. I mean, uh, Rahul Ravid has talked about it. Um, I think he banned cricketers from playing for more than one uh, under 19 World Cup because of this. Because we we do fudge a lot of players' age and we do it for glory. Um, that's when it starts. And then when they when they graduate quickly to these uh, HP or domestic cricket level, the demand, as I said, the problem is cricket in Bangladesh is run by club officials. So club officials, they run clubs that only play one-day cricket. So they look at their own demand. And when they go to HP, as I said, it, you know, um, I, I heard that Ranji Trophy matches were held in very good wickets. And that's when India started to produce a lot more fast bowlers. So I think it's pretty much everywhere where the domestic structure actually sets the tone for the national team. So when the domestic structure and the domestic teams only demand left-arm spinners, not off-spinners or leg-spinners, the best bowlers in the country are left-arm spinners. So the top 10, you'll see the top 10 are, nine of them are left-arm spinners. When I, I think in one of the leagues, I took about 41 wickets in one one-day league. I think it was the first, the second tier, um, second tier of Dhaka League. And I remember uh, I was one of eight bowlers who took more than 30 wickets. And the other two were either off spinners and there was one fast bowler that year. So next year, when I was going to be playing for another club for a little more money, obviously the left arm spinners are in demand. It's actually a very good market economy. Uh, Bangladesh's uh, players are in a good, good sort of a, a very professional structure where they're paid well. Um, I think about uh, 500 to 600 cricketers earn a living, a pretty good living out of cricket. Um, uh, you can call them lower middle class sometimes, but uh, some cricketers who are not playing for Bangladesh, they they earn good enough money to run their family for, for a decade at least. And then you have, uh, you know, first class cricket pays well. So so if, if the demand for left-arm spinners are high in that market, the selectors or the coaches or the scouts, they are stacked with left-arm spinners. So they don't really get to see a lot of leg spin. You know, uh, I hope I've tried to explain it properly, but that's what I've experienced, that leg spinners are not even projected in front of scouts sometimes. So at the no, lowest no, level. To totally. Yeah? Your point is yeah. very valid. So my point yeah. is just coming from when you have written about it, you talk about it. I'm sure even in the native language, people are thinking the same. So why is it falling on deaf ears? Because the world has moved on, you know, and like in the recently concluded T20 World Cup, Bangladesh was ranked 11th or 12th. I listened to your and Kimber's conversation. So you, as, as fans and well-wishers of Bangladesh cricket, you must feel the Ireland, the Scotland, the, uh, the Afghanistans are going by Bangladesh. They have been a full member for 21 years. So at some point, you know, like if, uh, even though you are an insider, but you don't play in, you know, you are not part of the Bangladesh cricket, you know, uh, unit. So if you are writing this, another writer writing, that's why I said, why is it falling on deaf ears? Why are people not saying, okay, we need to innovate. We need to move with the time. That was, yeah, my question was more like a complaint. Now you explained it. You explained it really well. Uh, Sakibai, it's basically a couple of words. It's easy to explain. It's arrogance and it's complacency. Arrogance brings complacency. They think they know everything. Um, uh, uh, we have we have a, a cricket board here which is actually failing, unfortunately. They're failing 
in a lot of ways and one of them you have pointed it out the world has moved on bangladesh cricket has moved on shakib al hasan gave a recent interview where it, he said some controversial stuff but i think one of the things that he said very well was that when he started his career in 2006 bangladesh were scoring at 220 averaging 220 in home odis and winning they're still doing the same because that is still working for bangladesh on this dark sort of uh, you know dark low pitches <clears throat> they don't want to change and the cricket board is you know they're allergic to change they just don't want to change anything because it means more work it means they have to get more people involved it means you know things will be more vibrant they don't want that and unfortunately it is falling on deaf ears and you're 100% right the world cup was a huge portrayal of bangladesh cricket's um uh latency uh, i don't know lethargy i think it's very lethargic it's very easy and one of the big problems is us media um i i, I would consider myself as part of the problem is because we give so much coverage to these uh, people to these not not just the cricketers the cricket board president comes out and says something outrageous and um because of the demand of 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 news these days even i end up writing those news and i i i regret it i honestly i regret in my office sometimes regrets that we have to do it but because of the value of that news and it ends up when a cricket board president says something it must carry some weight you know um whether i like it or not this cricket board president or this setup they end up saying or doing things that are um just outrageous and and because it's outrageous it's like it's like a it's like a it's feeding it as each other that this whole machine the media machine the media likes it they say it and they say it because the media likes it and you know it just keeps happening and it's it's exhausting um i was actually i'll give you a very uh, it happened today actually i was waiting for someone near my house um he was making me wait for like an hour because traffic in dhaka is really bad and i was with a friend and um, so uh, i was as complaining to him look i have a lot of work to do then i suddenly realized that um at least i'm sitting somewhere nice rather than chasing a cricket board director for a court because that's what i was about to do you know it's it's that exhausting sometimes you know it's it's mm. absolutely um it's the opposite of what bangladesh deserves as a cricket nation i just i was just telling you that it's such a passionate following and sometimes i feel sorry for these fans because they they not only just struggle to go to the ground and watch the matches not that they really love this cricket team you know that there is real love for this cricket team something that i think india enjoyed a lot for for about 20 25 years at a stretch when they, the 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 tendulkars and the gangulis were were superstars it, that was the sort of that is the sort of period that we had with bangladesh's big five uh, players but um, unfortunately the cricket board has just done everything in its power to mm. stop bangladesh cricket from progressing all right so my last question on this topic then we'll cover some other topics is you mentioned sakib hasan a true global superstar so in a system which is dominated by administration i i get it uh, uh, do you think a player of his caliber or more players of his caliber if they say something their voice has more weight if they start talking this or you think that's also the same uh, result is falling on deaf ears because uh, i was talking to a tennis journalist in india and um, Prajwal Hegde and she said the Indian Tennis Federation never wanted good players because once you have good players the system becomes accountable 
So if a good player is top singles player who's like top 20 in the world, says something about the federation, then the federation has to work. But if you are not ranked in the top 100, nobody cares what you say because this federation is not doing anything to improve the players. So that's my example. But if Shakib Hassan or some other players start echoing what you and some other journalists are saying, is it still landing on deaf ears? Um, you're right, Shakib. It's totally uh, when players like Shakib and Tamim and Mashrafi speak, people listen, the board listens. I'll, I'll give you a great example. Uh, 2019, Bangladesh were about to uh, tour India for three T20s and two test matches. Remember the pink ball test in, in, in uh, Kolkata? Just yes. before that, they held uh, uh, they had a strike. They said that they will not play cricket again anymore. They, they stopped playing domestic cricket. This was in late October of that year. Um, I, I had a bit of uh, I had a wind. I had wind of that thing happening. I knew about it, and I broke the story. Um, and uh, it was massive. Uh, the cricket board were caught unawares because they are they knew everything, but they didn't know that this was happening. They took the cricket board by surprise. They they made the cricket board wait on them. They they made sure that their demands were and 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 some of their demands were met. There was some really legitimate demands that were met. So. Uh, but it was undermined when Shakib was banned by the ICC just three or four days later or a week later. But those demands, you know, the cricket board followed up on some of them quickly and they were a little slow to react to some of the others. But now as we see, you know, when Shakib speaks or Tamim says something, when Mashrafi says something, uh, Mashrafi is on the outside now, um, but he's an MP of this government. So when this, these people speak, uh, the cricket board is forced to do something about it because they also have the ammunition of social media, the, the comments and the, and the Facebook posts. The cricket board is a bit fearful of that too. So it's very encouraging now that Shakib is speaking out loud now. Um, Tamim, sometimes he, he does speak. Mushfix and Mahmudullah, they have also been showing a bit of teeth uh, of late with uh, some consequences from the cricket board. But when they have spoken, yeah, that, that's when it starts uh, mattering. No, well said, and hopefully things things will change. But yeah, it looks like it's uh, uh, it's the same cycle for a while. So let me ask you a question to follow up in the beginning. You know, you said uh, most cricketers or cricket powers are come from Dhaka, which is the capital. But uh, how affordable is cricket socioeconomically? You know, what is the reach? Uh, one is like the power structure, but are is it something, you know, if someone wants to pursue a career in cricket, do they have to come to big cities and get coaching? And is coaching, you know, depending on talent, is the BCB doing any scholarships if some kid cannot afford uh, coaching but has the goods? So shed some light on, you know, that area, where the cricket is coming from and how affordable is the game? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll start off with, uh, with um, some examples for you. Uh, Mustafizur Rahman, uh, you know, Fizz, uh, the, the left-arm quick, uh, he comes from a place called Shatkira. It's on the Indian border on the west, southwest. It's actually closer to Kolkata than Dhaka. And um, just imagine that the kid who grew up in that small village, he actually developed his cutters in the village field. His brother used to ferry him to the on a bike. He used to take him to Shatkira town to, to do his um, cricket practice or the trials and then the cricket board uh, picked him up from a from a pace bowling camp picked him up for a pace bowling camp in dhaka and that's how he came to dhaka and into big time cricket dhaka is the big time cricket in bangladesh there's no doubt but 
there are a lot of ways to uh, become a cricketer in Bangladesh now. So you have some big cricket academies across the country in the north, in the south, in the east, some in the uh, southwest as well. Um, there are some real powerhouses in Bangladesh where a lot of cricketers come up despite of their background. I mean, you can, can be anything in Bangladesh and you can still become a cricketer because small clubs or cricket academies, they have some structure going. The cricket board helps out almost everyone in Bangladesh cricket in some way, providing them with cricket balls or, or equipment because equipment, as you said, it's a bit expensive. So I think um, nowadays, especially, uh, cricket is very, very accessible. It wasn't. Um, the way it happened was, um, uh, so it, it started off as a very elite sport uh, when my father or his friends used to play. Uh, it was very Dhaka-based. It was very rich family-based. It was very Dhaka university-based. Um, a lot of Bangladesh's early cricketers are from the Dhaka university. It is the biggest university in the country. It is in Dhaka, in the middle of Dhaka. It's a beautiful campus. You know, it has a lot of cricket grounds. And obviously, kids from elite family um, used to study there. Um, when, uh, when cricket started to become slightly bigger after independence, club cricket obviously took hold. And as the country started to grow out of the war, out of the, out of the misery of the war, cricket and football, especially football, became a way out for the, for the, for the citizens. And um, as football grew, so did cricket. But as a second sport in the 70s or in the 80s or even in the 90s. Um, at one point, uh, cricketers had to come from Chittagong, which is a big city. And due to its history with India, there are places like uh, Maimanshing in, in Bangladesh, uh, Silet or uh, Khulna, which had cricket clubs uh, established in the early uh, 20th century. So those clubs used to produce some players and had a bit of cricketing culture in those small towns. So Maimanshing is in the east. Uh, Silet is also in the east. Silet is actually closer to Shillong in India. And Maimanshing is close to, uh, is actually very, uh, is on the border with, I think, Meghalaya state. Yeah. Um, Khulna is very close to West Bengal. So um, I think you can make the connections here. Dhaka was always a base for cricket. Uh, a lot of international matches. Uh, Pakistan played a lot of their test matches here because it used to be called East Pakistan in the in the 60s and, uh, you know, in the 50s when we were part of Pakistan. Um, so that's where uh, cricketers started to come from. And and slowly when when big big towns outside Dhaka started to produce cricketers, you know, the, the, the boom came in 1997 when they won the ICC trophy. This was, this was the first unifying event in Bangladesh after the Liberation War. I kid you not. I was part of it. I was a kid. I was 13 at that time. I remembered the day where I was, what I was eating on that day. They beat Scotland to make it into the World Cup, 1999. And when they beat Kenya in the final, I think you can Google it and like lots of uh, articles about it. Um, it was very emotional. It, 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 and um, the prime minister at the time was Sheikh Hasina, who's also the prime minister now. He's also a huge cricket fan because one of her slain brothers, uh, Sheikh Kamal, he he actually uh, was a very good cricketer, um, and he established a very big club at that time. So I, I think I think you should also know that club culture in Dhaka is huge. Club culture is in cricket clubs, having practice sessions and long seasons of cricket and off-season training. It's a lot of things. Uh, cricket is a very big culture in Dhaka, and slowly it spread through 
small towns, uh, sorry, big towns, small towns, and into the village. So now you have uh, maybe one cricketer in the Bangladesh team who is actually from Dhaka, is Taskin Ahmed, born and brought up in Dhaka, uh, central Dhaka, and the rest of the players are from everywhere. So you have guys like Mustafiz and Mehdi Hassan, they're from Shakib Al Hassan, they're from very small towns in, uh, in the southwest. So Shakib uh, was well trained in a, in, a, in a place called BKSP, Bangladesh Prira Shikha Pratishan, sports institute. It is semi-government. Um, I think I think it's fully government or, or, or quarter. Um, I think it's funded three fourths by the government or or something like that. Um, that's a very big institution that produces a lot of cricketers and a lot of other sportsmen. Now their private companies are coming up with big uh, cricket academies in in many many uh, places. So um, it's actually very easy to become a cricketer. It's actually the pathway is pretty easy. Um, I, w- I, w- I would say that it's it's I mean, if you want to become a prof- professional cricketer, if you work hard enough, it's uh, your merit will take you to the top. It's not going to be connections. Okay, that's good to know. And uh, that's quite the unpacking. I enjoyed that. So one word I didn't hear in your response, which again, because probably doesn't exist, looks like there isn't a big domestic rivalry. Dhaka is the all place to be for cricket. Uh, shouldn't there be a Dhaka Chittagong rivalry, like a Delhi Bombay rivalry, you know, that inspired many Ranji battles in the late 70s and early 80s, and you know, the rest is history? You think that could be an additional step to make the domestic uh, structure more? I mean, I'm sure it's, probably, it's a little competent, but yeah, you need a rivalry. I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt you only the first time because Bangladesh cricket is born out of a rivalry. It's called the Abahani Mohammedan rivalry. Okay. It is, it is, it is like, it is like a tribal sort of thing. It's unbelievable. It was. I mean, now it it is going away because of the next few gen, the, the recent generations being too, you know, enamored by the Bangladesh national team. But it actually, um, it's very much like uh, Mohan Bagan versus East Bengal. Okay, cross town, yeah. cross town rivals. Um, Abohani is the uh, is the new club. It was. It was. It was established just a year after independence, 1972 or 73, I think. It was established by uh, Bangabandhu Sheikh Mujiburavana, the father of our nation. His son, uh, Sheikh Hasina, is the daughter. Sheikh Kamal is one of the sons. Uh, he established that club. Um, he picked the best cricketers for that club. And he be- he basically picked a lot of cricketers from the area called Dhanmondi, where the club is located, uh, where I also live and I'm a lifetime Abhani supporter as well. Uh, guilty as charged. Um, Abohani brought uh, top cricketers to Bangladesh. We have had some of the best cricketers in the world playing in Dhaka League. I wrote a piece called The Original Premier League in our Cricket Monthly. You should definitely read that. Um, it describes what the league is like, the Dhaka League, and how that rivalry created Bangladesh cricket, basically. So I'll describe Mohammedan Sporting Club. Mohammedan Sporting Club is, as you can say by the name, it was a Muslim-only cricket club in the early part of the century, of the, of the 20th century. But slowly, uh, it developed into one of the biggest clubs in Dhaka, uh, post, uh, pre-war, pre-liberation war. So I'm talking about 50s, 60s. Um, it, it represented Dhaka's business uh, families because it was uh, in an area, it is, it is situated in an area called Motijil. Motijil is the business district of uh, Dhaka. Um, it had a great football club. It had a great cricket club. It still does. Uh, they're very, very big. It has a huge following in old Dhaka. Old Dhaka is where Dhaka started from. So Dhaka starts from the south, basically. Uh, there's a river called the Buriganga. 
that's where Dhaka starts from. So we have um, the the Nawabs of Dhaka. They built their houses in old part of Dhaka, or the or I mean now it's called the old part of Dhaka, but um, it started with Uh, actually, as a family, we live in an area called Dhanmondi, which was considered new Dhaka at that time when my grandfather built this house. My grandfather was a university teacher at that time. Um, so uh, Dhaka comes from the that part and Abhoni represented new Dhaka, Mohammedan represented old Dhaka. And I have witnessed um, some of the greatest matches, uh, football or cricket. I mean, if you can, if you have done well in an Abhoni Mohammedan game, you can probably play for Bangladesh. That's what everyone, you know, pe players' temperament was judged by how he handled that game. So you had uh, Wasim Akram playing in the 90s. You had Neil Fairbrother playing in the 90s, just after the World Cup, after they played in the World Cup final. And you had a lot of Pakistani cricketers, some great Pakistani cricketers, some great Sri Lankan cricketers. Um, shortly after they won the World Cup, uh, Sanaj Jai and Ranatunga played for Mohammedan because... They used to play for Mohammedan a lot before. So there's no became... limit in overseas players. Um, I think I think it keeps changing now. They have stopped bringing overseas players to the Dhaka League <laughs> because um, of, of certain reasons. But it used to be two. Sometimes it should be one. But I'm talking about every season had a big name. Okay. You know, yeah. some great stories, some big names. Yuvraj Singh played here. Um, Mohammad Azharuddin, I think, played here. I think Kapil Dev signed for Abhani once, but couldn't play. I once saw Chetan Sharma arriving in the airport with a huge fan following from Abani there to receive him. Seriously, Chetan Sharma. You sure. know, um, Ajay Jadeja played here in Dhaka. Uh, that is a difference. That was a that was something else. You know, when Abani Mahodan played, um, it was. I always say Abani first because I'm an Abani fan. It's a bias I have, I think. Um, so yeah, Bangladesh cricket was born out of the rivalry and uh, the good cricket. The not not just the cricket's birth, I'm saying it became a good cricketing nation because of that, that great rivalry. And it, it created small rivalries as well. So you had other clubs in the other divisions having rivalries. So, yeah, it, and we don't have... It's the same division, same, yeah, same, yeah, division, same yeah, city. Yeah. So the, uh, the talent, the talent yeah. is centralized to still the big cities. No, thank, thanks for educating yeah, yeah, me. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. But is it a red ball rivalry or is it strictly a white ball rivalry? Um, one day cricket became white ball when I think late 2000, I think, I think 2009 or eight, I think they started to, we started to play white ball late. I think I played my first white ball game in 2005. Yeah. Something like that. I think before that it was always red ball. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, we, uh, for a while it was white, white, uh, for a while it was red ball, but now yeah, it's, it's completely, it's, it's one day cricket basically. It doesn't matter which ball, but. It's one-day cricket. That's where the rival lies. And what is Chittagong's status as a cricket power? I mean, how far are they behind Dhaka? I know you gave the board of directors, like, you know, it's a very heavy in favor of Dhaka. The entire country gets like 10, 10 nominees and Dhaka has like, you know, the major say. But in terms of just cricket talent and cricket uh, powers, uh, where does Chittagong rank? Yeah, Chittagong is, uh, you obviously have Tamim Iqbal and his family. Tamim Iqbal, his elder brother Nafis Iqbal played for Bangladesh. His uncle, Akram Khan, was the original hero of Bangladesh cricket because he played a, a blinder of an innings in the ICC trophy in one of the matches where Bangladesh really needed to win. That's when he became a cult hero, basically. Akram Khan is a, is a huge figure, both literally and figuratively, uh, in Bangladesh cricket. He was a former captain. Um, we also have, uh, we also had a few other, other batsmen 
uh, Chittagong is a, is a city of uh, beef and very well cooked beef. So I'm going to go into the real problem there. They, they love batting. They love to stand and do their batting. They don't like to run a lot. Um, so they have produced mostly batsmen. And it's a very thriving city for cricketers. Uh, there's a league going on there, I think, almost every year. Um, it has a, it has some really nice stadiums and grounds. People love cricket over there, but they don't really, really produce a lot of cricketing talent, and their first-class team is really bad. So um, that's uh, the the issue here. Sure. So let's uh, wrap this up. Few more questions. Uh, again, I've enjoyed this immensely. So let's look at the coaching. So Bangladesh has had. They didn't leave a stone unturned. They've had a lot of international coaches, maybe only one Bangladesh name, if I'm not mistaken. So how do you see as a well-wisher of Bangladesh cricket? Do foreign coaches work in Bangladesh or coaching is not the problem, it's the administration? How do you see the coaching lens? And were there coaches that should have continued more? So just unpack the coaches of Bangladesh in which way you see them as more appropriate. Um, Sakib Bhai, uh, Bangladesh's coaching is very good. Uh, local coaching is very good, but uh, it is a country that has really relied on foreign coaches from 1994, I think, or early 90s when uh, Mohinder Amarnath was Bangladesh's head coach for the 94 ICC trophy. Then Gordon Greenwich came. Uh, Eddie Barlow was there briefly when we just got test status. And then we had some really weird coaches, like strange ones, like uh, Trevor Chappell, you know, the younger brother of the, the one who rolled the ball in, <laughs> in that um, incident in, in Australia. Uh, Trevor Chappell was Bangladesh's coach. Mohsin Kamal from Pakistan. I don't know whether you remember him. Mohsin Kamal used to be a fast bowler from Pakistan. Yeah, yeah he I, was, do. I, I remember yeah, him. Yeah. He was Bangladesh's coach for some reason. I still don't know why. Uh, probably he he saw he oversaw the worst cricket campaign we have ever, the World Cup campaign we have ever had. Anyways, uh, the real coaching started, I think, Dev Watmore with Dev Watmore in 2003. He changed the face of uh, coaching in Bangladesh as well. Uh, he he, he uh, introduced man management and all those things to the team. Bangladesh team and then it you know, trickled down into um, uh, other coaches in the country. Uh, you had uh, Jamie Siddons, who was a specialist batting coach, but he was the head coach, but he was very good at uh, you know, side shots and you know he developed the, the technique of uh, Shakib, Tamim and all these cricketers. Um, then then you had uh, some someone like Stuart Law coming in. Those were very short, but then I think uh, off late it has become... Uh, a bit like a job for them. I think I think they don't really feel too passionate about Bangladesh cricket in the sense that they don't really go into the grass or anything. I think I think coaching has also changed across the world. I think T20 leagues have made coaches too uh, commercial. I think, um, but but yeah, I mean, uh, local coaches aren't really promoted by the cricket board. Uh, even our under-19 coach is Sri Lankan. Uh, our our women's coach used to be someone from India always or from the UK. Um, so, uh, uh, local coaches aren't promoted, but we have some really good local coaches. And coaching in Bangladesh is good. Technical, they have very good technical knowledge, some of the coaches. But Bangladesh's system is, um, because of the club, as I said, the club culture is so deep that club officials are more important. Captains are not important. Coaches are not too important. So, you'll have clubs where the official will decide on field placings as well from outside. We'll try to do that. Selection and, and talent acquisition, everything depends on those cricket officials. So um, coaches are uh, very um, underrated in Bangladesh, but we have some really good ones. And uh, as, I, as I was saying, you know, foreign coaches have come to Bangladesh a lot. Um, I think uh, I think it's time that someone from Bangladesh gets starts to get some responsibility with the senior team.
Sure. So you said you're the players' man, right? So you're close to a lot of players. You don't have to quote anyone, but I want to know uh, if you've covered in your you know in journey as a cricket info reporter. What do powerful Bangladesh cricketers feel? Do they feel they click more, maybe cultural with a, a Bangladeshi coach? They would like to have a you know a local coach than all the you know all the names you have uh, discussed. So do do the players respond to a certain uh, certain style of coaching more and uh, like Pakistan has had a lot of I think uh, there's a lot of chatter there that they a lot of uh, Desi coaches work better there's a school of thought that believe Pakistani coach coaches are better for the system as the boys respond to them better but then they have had their international coaches over the years so from the players vantage point have you had that conversation have you or do you sense the players would want a Bangladeshi coach is that something that you've uncovered not really um i i've never actually heard a bangladesh player or a, or a, or a, one of the senior bangladesh players ever mentioned to me that they think a bangladeshi coach can do better because i think they have their we've all grown up knowing that bangladesh's head coach is from uh, overseas so um they've they've had a lot of help from guys like uh, as, as i mentioned they have what more um james sidens chandika hatro singh uh, stuart law so Stephen Steve Rose was also a pretty good coach uh, recently. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think they prefer foreign coaches, but they also prefer a bit of empathy from the foreign coaches. So they really liked someone like uh, uh, Jamie Siddons, or there used to be a, a coach called uh, like he's the New Zealand fast bowling coach now, Shane Jorgensen. Shane Jorgensen was a huge favorite. Steve Rhodes was a huge favorite because they were technically Wasn't sound. Was there? Once. Courtney Walsh was the bowling coach for a while, okay. yeah, for a few, for three years, yeah, yeah. Courtney Walsh also very popular among the players because he not only had that, you know, that aura. Uh, Bangladesh sometimes needs that aura when they go and play abroad because people don't really take them seriously. Dave Watmore added that for, was the first one to add that that you know World Cup winning coach. I don't give a shit about anyone. I'm coaching Bangladesh, so people took Bangladesh seriously. That the, the players felt. slightly maybe 2 feet taller because of devotment when courtney walsh came in uh, tamim miguel used to call him legend nothing else legend you know uh, and he meant it because courtney walsh had to be in that dressing room you know they felt that we have good players but we need someone like that in our dressing room and and, and walsh felt very respected in that dressing room so i think bangladesh players honestly they want Bangladeshi coaches to develop through assistant coaching roles or fielding coaching roles, and then maybe someone's character might come into a situation where they think, okay, this guy might be able to lead us, but not yet, not yet at all. Sure. So that brings me to Bangladesh winning the Under-19 uh, World Cup in uh, 20, uh, 2020. So is that a stepping stone? I know there are a lot of young guys there, but are you hopeful of the next crop, or you think? it'll still be the same breed of players doing the same things that the current team is doing like we already have talked about more left arm spinners or are you more hopeful of the younger lot that won that world cup um sakib to be honest with you um i th- i i i'm not too hopeful of bangladesh's cricket systems developing or infrastructure or 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 the structure developing towards a more um talent friendly structure but i'm very hopeful of the kids i i I've met one of those kids the one who took the winning run um Rakibul Hasan uh, he's now the captain of the under 19 team a uh, young guy so I, i i do some voluntary coaching in a in a local club here in dhaka and we took him in a tournament recently like after he won the world cup and i was pretty sure that this guy will have you know a lot of you know upturned collar and all those things but no he 
um he acted his age he um he always wanted to learn i mean i'm not a i'm not a very certified coach or anything i'm just a journalist who used to play cricket i just help out in the local club but i i saw that thing in all of them and and a lot of these uh, local coaches tell me that this crop of cricketers became world champions because they were probably more hungrier than the before than the previous lot and to be honest with you um i i think about five or six of them should play for bangladesh already two of them have two of them have two or three of them have already played for bangladesh um it's not about the debut i think what i think they're very mentally strong they come from very humble backgrounds they fought a lot through their uh, year, you know through their early years and um, there's some great stories and i think great stories can sometimes bring about great cricketers i think i think one of the stories um is unbelievable i mean one kid comes from a very very small village in i think northwest northeastern bangladesh and uh, i called up his coach and um, he said that his father uh, works in a brick kiln um he's a worker and his mom delivers food to his father every day and he used to walk from home to the brick kiln for about 45 minutes every day but when he walked past a stadium he one day saw something happening in the stadium it's this is like a true story and he went into the stadium and said what's going on they said they're doing a fast bowling uh, trial someone was some one school was doing a fast bowling trial he said i want to try out and one of the coaches was like um, sure and uh, he said i don't have shoes i said no problem just go and bowl i have a speed gun this was very new for the kid and he tried out he bowled at 83 miles an hour and um, well uh, about 3 years later he played for bangladesh's under 19 world cup team he won the world cup and when i called his parents his father uh, didn't understand what uh, what his son had done so his father asked me what is going on why is everyone calling me why are you calling me? and he genuinely wanted to know so why i say great stories made great cricketers i think these beginnings sometimes you know and, and as you ask me do i have hope in these cricketers i think i do i think these cricketers give me hope this system really takes the hope out of my system my, uh, my this this the system takes hope out of it but i think these kids or these people like shakib tamim mashrafi they give me a bit of hope that one day if they run cricket and if they are the power powerful people i am a bit hopeful about bangladesh cricket no that's a lovely story and i hope your uh, faith stays intact and grows stronger so let's uh, wrap this up the floor is yours we've talked you know almost everything here uh, from the media connection to the administration to the to the power structure of domestic cricket so if you were made in charge of bangladesh cricket uh, what are the changes you would like to see so floor is yours just say whatever you think is correct and what is your vision for bangladesh cricket sagib bhai did you read uh, ravichandra ashwin's interview a couple of days ago sidmonga he said something no, very I, interesting yeah. yeah the headline i think was that i think cricket needs more empathy i think bangladesh cricket or the people who run bangladesh cricket and the first thing i would want them i don't want to run bangladesh cricket <laughs> i'm going to have heart problems you know <laughs> <laughs> very unpredictable anyway um i think i think a bit more empathy from cricket administrators here a bit more um less lazy i think they have to get up from their seats and do the work um i and i think uh let let people who know what to do do that job don't don't try to do everything yourself we have we have people here who have 
too many roles in Bangladesh cricket. A lot of conflict of interest. I won't go go into that, but I think you get the gist. I think I think less of a conflict of interest for a country that is so emotional about cricket. Uh, you just can't make so many mistakes to run the game. I think you have to cut down on the mistakes, the silly mistakes, the stupid mistakes. Just cut them down and do what. <clears throat> if I'll tell you something. Uh, if a rickshaw puller knows which team to select. I think someone in the cricket board should know that too. I think cricket is so easy to predict here. Anyone can uh, run cricket. The people think that we can run. Everyone can run cricket, but it's not that easy. But sometimes just stick to the common sense, stick to the common belief, do what is simple. I think that might take Bangladesh cricket forward. I think a great example of uh, success in Bangladesh cricket was Mashrafi bin Mortuza, who captained the country from 2014 to 2019. Or 20, um, he didn't. He didn't do a lot of big things. You know, he had to manage himself, his injuries. But he was so empathetic towards his teammates, uh, even if he thought they were wrong. And there were so many examples of that. He he was he tried to make people understand that I'm backing this guy. And it's a very simple way. You know, he comes from a very small town. You know, he was he was, was he. Grew up with his grandmother mostly. He had parents, but his grandmother was his greatest influence. And he always explained to me that I think if you talk nicely to someone, or if you show a bit of sympathy to someone or his cause, I can get the best out of that. I think I think Bangladesh cricket should follow that uh, that uh, path. I think it's let's be nice to everyone. I think that might help. These, you know, we have. I'm, I'm sure when you come across Bangladesh cricket, you hear stories of uh, Shakib Alasan kicking down the stumps people getting too angry. I don't think that is Bangladesh cricket. I think Bangladesh cricket is a, is, a, is a simple cricket team which tries to win matches for the country. Very, and they're very patriotic. Uh, we are a young nation. I think, I think um, a, a young nation sometimes can be very patriotic. And these players are patriotic. They love their country. It's, it's not, it's not uh, for show. I think they also feel for it. Because I think almost all of us have some freedom fighter in our, in our family or within our roots. So I think that's uh, that's very important that people feel good about themselves and um, drop the arrogance, maybe drop the laziness uh, when they're on the street. Those are like some powerful and very nice words, and I think we can all live by those, you know, goals. You know, be nice to everyone and show empathy. Yeah. And I think uh, we we all can use that. So th- uh, thank you, uh, Isam. This was a brilliant, brilliant uh, podcast. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Uh, of course, I didn't know uh, a lot uh, like I thought, but I think that's why I have these guests who are very informative for me and the listeners here. I hope you enjoy the show. Hopefully, we can bring you back here. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Sakib Bhai, for having me on uh, Cricket with Accent. And I really, Cricket with an Accent, um, uh, really look forward to this coming up. And, you know, uh, hopefully, some people will know a little bit more about Bangladesh. Cricket.